Hello, Bonsai friends. This is Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonsai, and welcome to episode 65 of Little Things for Bonsai People. It is 2024, year of the wood dragon, and this time I am joined by my co-host, Carmen Lesko-Bienski. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing? Excellent. Excellent. Uh, you know, going through uh, the first month of the year, got a lot of things already happening. So mm-hmm. plenty of things to talk about. And I know oh, yeah. we have a big topic today that's going to be fun, a new type of episode that we're going to be doing. And then uh, we'll, you know, we'll get into it a little bit. So, uh, but yeah, like like I was kind of saying, today's topic will be science. A new series that we'll be doing uh, throughout this year. And hopefully in the near future, we'll do more and more of these. But uh, Carmen will be presenting uh what what's going to be today's science topic today carmen today we are talking about photosynthesis yep we're going back to uh biology 101 we're gonna uh go into the the processes and how how it works how photosynthesis actually works i know this might be a little bit of a weird thing uh we are still bonsai concentration on this topic so it's going to be how plants work, but we're always we're also going to just it's going to reference directly back to bonsai. I yeah. mean, that's what we do here. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. So everything bonsai, uh, photosynthesis. And uh, we also we're going to try to get into a little bit of winter uh, stuff a little bit here because we've been having quite a crazy winter here in the United States. We'll kind of lightly touch on that as well. Uh, but before I, we get into that much further into the episode here i need to mention that our podcast is sponsored by our amazing patrons over at patreon.com forward slash little things for bonsai people head on over there and become a bonsai best bud and hang out in the discord with these amazing people we have so many patrons now i can't read through the entire name list any longer so uh we're going to be doing this differently so i have a couple of different ways i'm going to announce uh our best buds and so we're going to start it off with our newest members that have joined so our newest uh specimen best bud is christina carfolia christina hope i'm saying that right i usually don't (laughs) but yeah thank you for becoming a new specimen best bud that's the 30 dollar level it's a you know thank you so much for supporting us at that level you're going to get a free t-shirt um well you're going to get a t-shirt with your your subscription uh whatever t-shirt we have that we're running for little things and then also you get a 30-minute uh, video chat per month with us. Uh, that's an awesome level to be at and support at. Uh, we have a new Bonsai Best Bud, uh, Hist Warrior. Um, very interesting name there. I'm not really sure what that means. I'll have to ask Lee later on. But Lee is actually, um, he, that's that's who Hist Warrior is. Lee is actually our designer. He's been designing new um, graphic designs for our future Little Things shirts. Yay, so thank you so thanks, much for supporting Lee. at that level. I'm so excited for for some new designs coming out soon this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll go into those a little bit. Uh, Some spoilers coming up here on the designs. Spoilers. And then uh, we have a new bonsai friend uh, in Kristen Yale. Thank you so much, Kristen Yale, for supporting at the bonsai friend level. Uh, I know whatever you guys can support at, that's amazing. Even if you just subscribe to our our Patreon list and just keep an eye on things, that's, that's awesome. Thank you guys so much for subscribing. And uh, now we're going to start doing when we don't have new members, which we usually do have one member a week. Sometimes we'll see. 
But uh, we're going to do featured best buds. So we're going to pull from our best bud list. We're just going to bring up their name. We're going to give you some extra thanks and extra praise. Thank you so much to Austin Atkins, longtime uh, Bonsai best bud, uh, one of our earlier best buds. So thank you so much for supporting at the best bud level, Austin Atkins. Yay, and then, Austin. of course, yeah, Austin, give you uh, these, there's like, you can't see, but there's confetti flying everywhere. We're giving double thumbs so, up. Woo. Yeah, double thumbs up, confetti's throw, flying around. Thank you so much. And then, um, and of course, thanks our uh, our main show sponsor, Joshua Roth Tools, uh, for being awesome, supporting us, and uh, you know, giving us uh, awesome giveaways, which we will be running a giveaway uh, next month. Um, so I don't know how I don't know exactly what our cut cutoff date's going to be just yet. Um, I think me and Carmen can discuss that a little bit on this episode. We'll kind of come to close. Oh, I got to, I got an to idea. some terms. We got plenty of tools to give away, but yeah, Joshua Roth Tools, thank you so much for supporting us um, and giving us giving us the goodies. You know, little you know, the listeners love you know people love free stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> but you know, but also this is it's bonsai tools. I mean, listen to their show, start working on bonsai, and then you get some really sweet tools. Okay. Joshua Roth is some of the best, some of the best high quality Japanese tools you can get. Um, so and then uh, going in. Our specimen best buds will always get a shout out as well. Uh, Un Ryu in in Australia, thank you so much. And Bills Bayou, our other specimen uh, best buds, thank you guys so much for supporting. And also can't go much further without mentioning our editor Matt O'Donnell. He makes us sound smart. He cleans up our audio, makes us enjoyable to listen to. Go over to mattodonnell.com to fill out a contact form and start your own podcast show with him. Uh, he's also an audio engineer. He's a set bassist in Nashville, Tennessee. He's an all-around awesome guy. It's in the script to say it every single time. Also, Matt has a brand new podcast show called Matt O'Donnell Wants to Know. It's on episode one. It's currently out. I know episode two is coming out really soon. Um, well, the time of this recording, episode two will probably already been out. But yeah, go over there, follow his, his show, listen to his show. Awesome guy. Get Matt's me. a really smart dude. Uh, he loves talking to people about... Um, you know, just stuff like musicians and creatives and other people have interesting careers. This show is just a deep dive and just kind of hanging out, you know, seeing how things are going. That's really funny because like before we did this podcast, like I always wanted to just start a random podcast and it would just be like me talking to whoever about whatever it is they do. And it's so funny that Matt is doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So and it it it's interesting. Yeah, because a lot of people who get into podcasting like that, they're like, what do I even talk about? What's interesting? Yeah, like they want it to be so specific. And it's it's kind mm -hmm. of fun to just have a, a show where you just talk to all these people about all these different things. So cool. Yep. Go Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Go Matt. Go. We'll, uh, we'll be uh, talking to Matt again in the future, too. We'll have him all back on little things. He is our editor. So yeah, can't wait to talk to Matt some more. And there there is an episode that I am featured in. I don't remember when it's coming out. But yeah, keep an eye out for that one, too, on his show. Um, so yeah, I did mention the, the new shirts. So, uh, me and Lee have been back and forth. So it's South Paul creative. You can go look him up on, so on the socials is the name of his, uh, his graphic design company. Uh, we do have two brand new shirts. So don't want to spoil what they are exactly just yet, but one is a quote that we use in the show very often. And then another one is going to be a reference to an earlier episode that we have that might have some might have something to do with Joshua Roth tools. It's be an awesome design. Yeah. Um, so we got a, a short a short sleeve shirt coming out in a 
dark we've got a lot of requests for darker colors we're gonna be running probably black dark gray you know something ar around that and then uh for the other ones could be a long sleeve shirt so Ooh, i'm really excited about that one long sleeves. I, I, have i shown you the i don't think designs? i've seen that one yeah yeah hey, this one's gonna be cool i'll show it i'll i'll show it to you later i'm very excited uh, yeah me too uh i know the sheet the t-shirts have been really fun to uh to give to our listeners and to uh you know just seeing people wearing them around even uh i did uh so this this recording was what we were doing this later later in january but uh there was a event over in the baton rouge area here in louisiana we called uh midwinter workshop and we bring in a guest artist to work on uh like bring your own tree workshop style uh type of event and do we do vendoring so uh i was vendor i was a vendor there with a couple other vendors and uh just seeing people walking around with little things shirts on it's That's awesome. so fun <laughs> yeah this is great it's the it's the uh so i went to a bonsai workshop and all i got was a stump shirt which I love just that the, shirt. I, the irony uh they're wearing it to be ironic but also not our ironically supporting the show which is great so thank you guys for wearing their shirts uh but yeah awesome so we're going to break into science, science. i said it like that for a reason uh yeah. but anyway so uh what what is photosynthesis oh that's it how can we unlock photosynthesis how can i talk to photosynthesis what you know i don't know yeah but what what is it what is it carmen i have no idea so i'm act like i don't uh no that's great act like you don't know um yeah so photosynthesis is you know very generally what people think is how plants make their own food right uh so that's it's the, the process most straightforward terminology right what was that that's the most straightforward yeah. way to say it right yeah okay. so it's, it's sorry how i plants... won't interrupt anymore no you're great you're fine uh <laughs> so it's how plants you know um turn light energy and water and carbon dioxide into organic sugars that they can use later for energy so um to be super science nerdy about it uh the actual um chemical formula of it which i had to memorize in both high school and college and i had to actually go back and look it up because i'd forgotten it but this is a great refresher for everybody so what the plant does it takes six co2 molecules 12 water molecules and then transforms it into c6 h12o6 plus six water mo molecules and six oxygen molecules so that's as like deep science chemically as i'm gonna really get in this episode <laughs> Um, everything else I'm going to try to keep kind of surface level so that we could all understand yeah. the processes without having but to get confused with the actual like how molecule. do atoms work right uh, that's a <laughs> that's uh yeah how do atoms what, work what charge are they um, why do they why do they want to be together I don't know I'm just <laughs> that's a little too far into organic chemistry for me and that was created oh. on a curve which is probably the only reason that anybody passed but uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so basically if you look at that that formula and and go back to that you know original description so the plant is is using light energy to take carbon dioxide and water to turn it into sugar um and then also the byproducts are besides the sugar is water and oxygen so that's how also people are like oh well plants make us air to breathe yes they do because oxygen is a byproduct of the photosynthetic process also water is also water is yep how because of like 
Is it kind of like an off-gassing of water, I guess? Yeah. Like mist? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it takes it takes the it takes water and it uses it in the process, but then there's some water left over. Yeah, let's see. I'm, I'm actually like I need like okay. So I have to be honest, like back when I first got into bonsai, mm-hmm. none of this none of this to like mattered to me. Right. Back like like uh like back whenever I was like I have I would it be better if I learned nomenclature for these these trees that I'm working on? Yes. Does it matter that I know how like photosynthesis works? And to me, I was like, nah, nah. <laughs> but it, it's really interesting though with the water thing. I didn't know that. I didn't know that there was. I mean, it makes sense that there would be leftover water, right? But they do pick it up and then they have to like they have extra like excess water that still comes back. Yeah, well, I'm I'm double checking my notes because I want to be sure I got that right. I'm I'm ninety five percent sure that that's correct. No, you're good. But I want to be double. It makes sense though, because I know that there's there is off gassing. Is that the right way to say it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm only saying that because of a conversation I had about uh, a mattress last night. Oh right. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And one second, sorry. Yeah, six yeah. carbon dioxide, twelve water. Yep, 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 yep. So there's Damn. water left over. Um, yep. Right. Yeah. And like you said, it's one of those things that people, you know, you're learning bonsai and you don't always go into this level of plant physiology because, you know, you don't necessarily need to know it in order to do bonsai, but it helps you have a greater understanding of why you do the things that you do. And I think that's the whole point of these science episodes is that we're going to get into some of this physiological stuff and microscopic stuff so that you can have a better understanding overall of of why you do the things you do so Mm -hmm. uh obviously most photosynthesis occurs in the foliage of plants right in the green leaves and the needles and all of that um but it can also occur in other structures like um stems buds green fruit actually green fruit is responsible for a lot of photosynthesis actually which is kind of surprising um so the fruit before it's ripe right yeah Okay. Uh, and so that's obviously why the foliage of your plant is so important, why you want to have a lot of leaves, a lot of needles on your tree um, so that your tree can be super productive. Now, we're going to go like microscopic here for a minute and talk a little bit about plant cells. And so within <laughs> plant cells, there are organelles, right? So these are all the little things within the plant cell that makes all of these processes work. And I think everybody's familiar with um, chlorophyll, which is the green pigment, which is the pigment that gives, you know, plants their color green. Um, And And... this chlorophyll is in an organelle called the chloroplast. And this is where photosynthesis occurs. So within the plant cell, there's chloroplasts. And in the chloroplasts, there's chlorophyll. Um, And those are the molecules responsible for photosynthesis. Okay. Uh, Chlorophyll is kind of... It's kind of hard to imagine <laughs> what it is. Would you say it's so fluid or it's a pigment molecule? Um, okay. And there's two kinds of it. There's chlorophyll A and chlorophyll B. And chlorophyll A is the chlorophyll that is responsible for most of the um, photosynthesis or most of uh, the light capture within the chloroplast. Yeah. My understanding with chlorophyll is that 
it's the reason why a green leaf even can capture sunlight. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then after it's, and then it just, just kind of where I'm, where I kind of have my understanding with it too is mm-hmm. photosynthesis can't occur unless the foliage really is green. And that, I mean, some foliage starts out. So this is a, I guess this is kind of like a side question for it too is mm-hmm. if a tree is extending new shoots mm-hmm. and some trees have reddish shoots mm-hmm. that are light, like they start out light green. Obviously there's not enough chlorophyll in that mm-hmm. to, to really make it a optimal piece of material for collecting sunlight how does that work is there is it make the shoot and then the chlorophyll follows after because that's when it comes mature is that how it works so yeah as the leaf or the shoot or whatever matures more chloroplasts um you know are there and they start to create these chlorophyll molecules so a mature leaf has the more mature or a mature leaf has more chlorophyll um than an extending leaf and so as the the shoots and stems grow that becomes they become more photosynthetic as they age and so that's where the tree is using a lot of its resort uh stored and reserved um sugars from the following year to produce that new growth but uh stems and buds and all of that do produce um or can do some photosynthesis they just don't have those high concentrations of chlorophyll yet so they're just not producing you know quite at the same rate as a mature tree would or as mature foliage would that's what I was like thinking now. Like it's starting to like it's like whenever you take uh college algebra and you take like the first part and then the next part builds onto it and mm-hmm. then the next part builds onto it and doubles down on it. It's kind of like that equation kind of kind of thing where you start building it out. So that just made a connection for me, like a okay. neuro, like a oh, neurological pathway opened. Uh you see like the achievement <laughs> at the top corner, like a like an Xbox achievement. But like, no, it's uh it's like I assumed that that the the chlorophyll was there, mm-hmm. but now that now the way you're describing it is that once they store that energy, they make a new shoot. The leaf hardens off, and then a chloroplast or chloroplast will form mm-hmm. and will become a new way to build up chlorophyll and make new reserves. So it's a, it's a compounding system. So it keeps building on top of itself. Yep, until okay. it stops Oops. building on itself. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So there is a point. Okay. There's a point. So, yep. Yep. All right. So, so uh, a little, from there, a little bit more just about chloroplast structure. So I know this part's kind of complicated, and this is going to be the most complicated part that we're talking about. But um, the equation of the molecules was the most complicated. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was the most complicated. This it's is formally. the second most complicated. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so. Just imagining you're zooming in on a plant cell because there's a couple more parts that are kind of important to know about how chlorof- or how um, photosynthesis happens. So you're looking at your cell, your plant cell. Inside the cell is your chloroplast. Inside the chloroplast is a membrane called the thylakoid membrane, and it's zigzagging kind of back and forth on itself. So there's a lot of it crammed into a little spot. And the chlorophyll lives inside that membrane, and that's important for later. Um and now, as you mentioned, too, there are sometimes other pigments um, within uh, plant cells. And these are not always, these aren't in the chloroplasts. They're usually um, <clears throat> elsewhere in the cell. And uh, a lot of times these are responsible for 
helping move electrons to the chlorophyll. Um, and they can often give plants that have different colors of leaves that aren't green, you know, some of those colors. Um, but those pigments aren't necessarily responsible for photosynthesis, but they can play a role in photosynthesis, if that makes sense. Does it? Um, so, okay. Now that we know what chloroplasts look like, we can talk about actually how photosynthesis happens. So photosynthesis has two parts. Part one, the light reactions, and these occur in the thylakoid membrane. This is the part where, you know, the chlorophyll um, captures the light energy. And then part two is the dark reactions or the Calvin cycle, which occurs in the stroma of the chloroplast. So that's the area outside of this membrane, but still inside the chloroplast organelle. So it's kind of like the empty space all around this folded up membrane within that organelle. Um, they're called dark reactions because they don't necessarily need light to occur, but it doesn't actually always happen in the dark. It's just what they it's just an easy way to say light reactions and dark reactions. But part really? two is is really better known as the Calvin cycle. And I don't know about you, but I just got sent back to biology in high school. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, that biology wasn't really a a strong point for me in high school. But, um, yeah. So I don't I don't even really know how the Calvin cycle works or I've, I've definitely heard of it. And but I know that's another stepping stone of understanding it too. Right. Yeah. So I think a good way to imagine this is that, you know, in part one, that's where um, the energy to kind of to to turn the carbon dioxide into those sugars happens. And then part two is the actual using that energy that was created in part one to mm -hmm. change that carbon dioxide into a complex carbohydrate like glucose or another simple sugar. And then from that, the plant uses, you know, that um, uh, complex carbon compound to create things like lipids or fats or amino acids or whatever. And um, so that all happens outside of the chloroplast once, you know, the dark reaction is is finished. So part one is, you know, capturing the light energy. Part two is really changing the makeup of the carbon dioxide that the plant has absorbed into that then, product that will then become everything else the plant needs to survive. Okay. Cool. Okay. Questions? Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's, there, there's a lot. There's a lot there. There's a lot. Honest. I mean, I was reviewing this to, you know, for this episode and I'm like, okay, how nerdy do I get? Do people want to talk about ATP and gl and, and glyceraldehyde 3-phosphate and NADPH or like should we just you'd be surprised i feel like some people <laughs> get into it i don't know how many of uh and i i guess this is something that uh if you guys want to share it in the discord i don't know if that's a good uh consensus to kind of take is like how do people go from biology background into bonsai uh -huh. how many people go into just basic gardening into bonsai and how many people because people also take master gardener classes i don't know if they cover stuff like this in master gardener classes they do master gardener classes from my understanding i saw somebody's um master gardener study stuff and it was a it was like a course 
of like bio and plant physiology, like okay. 101 with a little soil science. It's kind of like horticulture light, like you like everything you need to know on a surface level without getting into the crazy microbiology yeah. of it. Um, so, so actually, um, I think it's probably really helpful because it gives you a good overview of how plants work and how soils work and all of that. So uh, what we're going to be doing with uh, little things now with uh, the five easy steps Carmen can get you from uh, basic <laughs> gardener to master gardener by just listening to our episodes. Oh, I don't I don't know about that. And then we'll send you a uh, we'll send you with some we'll send you a piece of paper to frame and put in your office. Oh, there so you go. You've completed yeah. our science. Our science episode uh, yep. series. I don't know. I, th- I actually think that's kind of funny if we did something like that. Uh, yeah. Like order, offered a, a PDF to like uh, <laughs> to like our Discord you of like, like a printout. <laughs> it's a new Patreon level. If you pay a certain amount of money, we'll send you a certificate. <laughs> I think we should just have it. Once we wrap up the science episodes, are we get everybody to a point gets like, a certificate? We've done enough of these. Everyone is certified master bonsai gardener. Little <laughs> things uh, certified. Like I don't know. This, I don't know. It, it is fun. Hey everyone, this is John Eads, founder of Left Coast Bonsai and proud supporter of the Little Things for Bonsai People podcast. I'm breaking into your feed today to let you know about a few exciting things we're doing here at Left Coast Bonsai. We're a small, family-owned bonsai nursery that's focused on producing high-quality bonsai plant material, as well as sourcing hard-to-find supplies for growing in your own yard. For many of us, winter is a time to pause and reflect on the year ahead. Now's a good time to decide what seedlings and supplies you need for the upcoming season. We have a large selection of seedlings that will begin shipping out mid-February for a spring season. You can also order baskets, felt bags, or aluminum wire. In addition to the seedlings and supplies, I also teach classes and study groups on a broad range of subjects, including growing trees from scratch. I hope to hear from you soon and would love to talk about how we can support your bonsai growing journey. You can find us online at leftcoastbonsai.com, on Instagram at leftcoastbonsai, or send me an email at talk at leftcoastbonsai.com. Cheers! Yeah, but you, uh, yeah, you were kind of going off into how, uh, the next part of how this works. So, right, you have a photo photo inhibition. Photo. Right. It, so it, the next man, that's 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 an interesting word. Yeah. Inhibitions of the photosynthesis. Right. right? Is so that, is that what that means? Photo inhibition is a couple <laughs> different things. So it can actually be just in general how certain factors decrease photosynthesis across the board. Um. But also very specifically, it can be a reduction of photosynthesis due to a sudden increase in light. And you would think that increasing your light wouldn't necessarily hurt photosynthesis. But if you go from super dark to super bright, it can really cause a big problem um, because it can that amount of energy, that amount of light the leaf is getting can mess up some of these enzymes and um, processes that happen within the cell for photosynthesis to occur. And it can take the plant a little bit of time to adjust and rebuild some of these um, pieces of the mechanism in order for it to kind of catch back up with those changes in light. And that actually happens, um, you know, due to a bunch of other environmental factors as well. But specifically thinking of 
of light, you know, a really quick change from dark to bright can really screw up your photosynthesis. So gradual change is usually, usually better. Um, so that's kind of like how plants run on a cycle naturally mm-hmm. by, by the sun coming up and, and the sun setting. Mm-hmm. And so that gradual photo imitate, wait, inhibition, photo inhibition. Mm-hmm. Is that a example of photo inhibition is when the sun rises and the sun sets? Mm. Not or white. It's like a shock. It's more of a it's shock. It's kind of a shock. Sometimes. So it's like if there's a, you know, a, a plant growing in the understory of a forest and then a big tree falls and yeah. that plant suddenly has a ton of light. That it's can light sometimes source changes completely. Yeah, that can sometimes be like, "Oh god, too much light. Need to adjust." And so this photo inhibition occurs over time anyway just because like as a certain amount of light energy hits the photosystems, it will degrade it over time. And so the plant is like constantly repairing this process and this mechanism anyway. But when it happens all at once, it's just like, ah, and then um, it has to adjust a little bit, a little bit faster. Does that have a connection to plants that are typically shade tolerant versus plants that are full sun tolerant too? Mm -hmm. Is that that a reason why a, a shade tolerant plant if it gets a sudden blast of full sun, it will underperform and become weakened. And so, yeah, so yeah, so too much light on a shade plant can mess up, yeah, how the plant does photosynthesis and cause damage that's not always um, reversible. So a lot of the damage done is reversible, but sometimes, you know, if there's too much damage, the leaves just they die because they they can't repair it fast enough. And or there's no way that that plant can adapt to that kind of change. So shade leaves are um, a different kind of animal. They really do have a certain tolerance of, you know, how much light that they can accept. Okay. So, so like there's a couple of trees I can think of to start, like off the top of my head, there's uh, like the American hornbeam in my range. It, It can take low shade areas like low light not low shade because that would be that would be redundant kind of to say it that way so it can take low light situations mm-hmm. but it can go into the full sun mm-hmm. it, it is a possibility and so it's photo inhibition can happen to that tree but that tree is capable of making a I guess you could say a, a full recovery is that a way to kind of think of it too so it could make a full recovery and just adjust to that yeah. Does, so and so a and lot of plants does, are are more. A lot of plants like that tree can tolerate. You know, they they photosynthesize best within a certain range of light, but they can do a little bit less light or a little bit more light. But <clears throat> there's it's not going to, you know, have its maximum photosynthetic ability in full shade or in full sun. Probably it's probably somewhere that's like in it prefers between. in between. Yeah. Uh, Okay, and so like, does this photo uh, inhibition uh, inhibition also contribute to like leaf size reduction? So when a tree is in sh- deep shade and it would would be fine in full sun, um, this is something that 
American hornbeam silver example tree still it also does this as well as if it if it's in a shady area the leaves will get 50 50 bigger mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you'll get this blast of light and then its leaves will more than likely reduce as it extends new shoots is that also a contributing factor i feel like that's gonna be a different thing i don't know um because okay. Because as you you were talking about that, that's kind of what it was making me think of. It's like, so if there's an adjustment made, then also there could be a, not only a chemical reaction, but also a physical reaction as well. Yeah. So I don't know off the top of my head, but my understanding of it, and I don't know exactly how this, if this is directly related to light intensity, um, but shade leaves from what I remember are generally thinner and wider so that there's more surface area for them to collect light. Whereas they don't necessarily need to be that big and wide and thin when they're in full sun because they will make themselves a little bit thicker um, because they don't need to spread out as much in order to capture light. So that may be, Part of the reason they're smaller when they're in full sun, um, super scientifically speaking, I don't have the exact answer for you right now, but uh, I want to look that up because yeah, that's I something know. to add on for later. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so that was that's a great kind of question. The, yeah, that because that's something that I talk about with some people. They're they're always like, "How does leaf reduction happen?" And I I know it happens in a number of different ways. So right, one of a a very good leaf reduction example uh, plant is going to be uh, the sea hibiscus, mm-hmm. which can go from gigantic. Uh, I know it's like the leaf could be anywhere from six to eight inches across to down to less than half an inch uh, with proper leaf reduction practices on it. And I know one of the things that can help is getting that plant exposed to even more sunlight so it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be as large. Right. Um, and so it is a it's a weird mixture because like what, what from what we're kind of learning here and I mean, we're all in this we're all kind of learning in this moment right now. Yeah, it's what we're doing here on the show. And so I know some trees like some of my beloved elm, you like Umacea mm-hmm. varieties and, and species will uh, will go through these physiological changes from light types of light exposure and also under the amount of photosynthesis that it's able to perform yeah. within those within those transitions, like you said, with if it's transitioned from low light, uh, that could also kind of give us a little bit of insight on range. Mm-hmm. So if a tree is shipped to another area where the lighting is different, mm-hmm. it could potentially have an effect, and that photo inhibition can happen there, right? Very easily. Right. Well, yeah, and I'm thinking, too, with tropical plants, like a lot of times when you bring in a tropical plant for the winter or something like that, people will worry that it's dying because its leaves yellow and fall off. But that's not because the plant is, you know, it's not dying. It's just it's changing its leaf form to go from a high intensity light situation to a low light intensity situation. And so they'll actually shed all of their sunny leaves and then produce, you know, a leaf that's more adapted to its new conditions and so um, you'll see that a lot with tropical plants Um, and that's a kind of a great example of how a plant can adapt to these different light intensities Um, but not every plant 
is that dramatic about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a lot of plants can just, you know, adjust from low light to high light if you kind of increase it over time. But if you're putting something from 50% shade into full sun, it's going to struggle a little bit more than if you were to take it from 50% to 75% to, you know, then to full sun. So, um, so it just, it's all, something... it varies within the, the tree species as well. Oh, hey, Carmen, did I tell you about Bonsai Central yet? No, I don't think you have. Oh, I, I think I might have mentioned it a few other times, but it's going to be May 3rd through 5th in 2024 in St. Louis, Missouri. It's basically the national show, but it's going to be Central America, and it's going to be an awesome show with cash awards and prizes. Uh, there's going to be a professional bonsai show and a kusimono show as well. Ooh. With the presentation during dinner with uh, for rewards and whatnot. But if you want to submit a tree, I think you have to submit two to four photos and you need a brief description of your tree and send it over to the contact form at bonsaicentral.com. That's bonsai-central.com. But there's going to be vendors there too. Do you know what vendors were included? Did you hear about that? Yeah, I heard that it's going to be something like 25 plus of the best vendors from around the country. So like including nurseries, potters, stand makers, tool suppliers, and all of that. But like specifically, I, I thought I heard that there was going to be American potters like Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Now Toshu Take is going to be there. Vicky Chamberlain, Eli Atkins of Waldo Street Pottery, April Grigsby, Roy Minari and Byron Merrick. Um, sellers of imported Japanese and antique Chinese pots are going to be there, too. That's amazing. I mean, there must be like a pretty good lineup for this show as far as like their headliners. There should be some really good bonsai artists. Do you have any idea who that might be? I think I might have heard about Bjorn, but there's some other ones, right? Oh, yeah. Bjorn's going to be there. Uh, Tyler Sherrod as well. Maria Hayek, uh, Andrew Robson, Maro Stenberger, and Young Cho. Oh. I think there's going to be workshops, show walkthroughs, critiques, all that stuff. Yeah, that sounds awesome. There should be somewhere to go on bonsai-central.com and you can fill out the opportunities to do workshops with these professionals. They have really great material, I've heard. It's going to be stuff like twisted junipers and and, and old fused maples and really awesome pieces of material for Young's Cosimono class. So I think if you guys are interested, y'all should go check out bonsai-central.com and see if you can register for the show, sign up for workshops if they're still available. But I'd, I'll definitely be there this year. Awesome. That's sweet. Yeah. yeah thank you, uh, Bonsai Central, for sponsoring our show. Something else that kind of makes my brain kind of it makes it makes my gears turn uh is about um the 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 way that i've had trees like there's this something i always kind of think about whenever i'm transporting a tree to a bonsai show (laughs) and it goes it goes into an indoor space for two to three days depending on how long the show is (laughs) and i'm that's got to be some form of photo uh photo uh inhibition there Mm -hmm. yeah so like i said photo inhibition can be both just based on light intensity or a generalized term for a plant decreasing photosynthesis for whatever reason and so there's definitely multiple factors of photo inhibition when you're taking a tree to a show i mean you're changing your light you're changing your temperature you're changing your humidities you're changing pretty much everything and so that's multiple stresses on the plant that's going to affect how much photosynthesis occurs for that plant 
you know, some species from my experience um, are quite strong to those changes because um, to give you an example, uh, like the water elm that I showed this year. Yeah. That tree went from Denver, Colorado to a moving truck to Louisiana to from Louisiana up to New York, back to Louisiana. And it didn't really show me any serious signs of stress until it was spending um, probably about three or four days in Pittsburgh as we, uh, we made a we made a pit stop in uh, Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I got a joke for you. I almost forgot it, ooh, but ooh, I'll, ooh. I'll, I'll ask you after okay. we uh, get past this, uh, this train of thought here okay. is, um, okay, so yeah, that was one of the things like I kind of thought about it though was when we went to Denver though, the tree didn't really react that much. And I, and I have this feeling, I don't know how true it is, and I'm sure this might be something that touches a little bit on this, is uh, some trees, I feel like I have the capability to go into like a standby mode mm-hmm. and just wait. Mm-hmm. And so they don't drop their leaves automatically, or sometimes they have enough stored energy. Like I had my winged elm that I brought four years ago to the national show, and it grew within the container, within the box that I had it in. <laughs> Uh, while I was transporting it mm-hmm. and it was like it, it, at the at the show it grew and I was like this thing's crazy and then <laughs> the water elm was a little bit more sensitive because mm-hmm. there's just like it just went into standby it just didn't grow it stayed like that for a long time and then it grew a little bit but then it went to um it went to New York and it, and when we were in Pittsburgh I noticed it started getting pissed off at mm-hmm. me and it was like no I don't like this and then it just gave me a false like like it wasn't fall it was like a really sad like my leaves are done like it just dropped all of its leaves yeah and so they have they definitely have like their threshold i guess is what i'm looking for right so a lot of times the plant can you know self-preserve by um closing its stomata or i don't know whatever other kind of physiological processes it can kind of stop what it's doing and be kind of in a stasis and then it needs a certain time to recover after that and probably what happened is your plant didn't fully recover and then it was you know exposed to another set of stresses and it was like oh my god and just decided that it was kind of done so it probably just needed a longer time to reset between there and that that happens with a lot of these especially with the environmental factors that change how much photosynthesis the plant is is undergoing um uh Certain plants can recover like super fast and other plants can take a lot longer. So it really is very species dependent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I've noticed with elm trees and that this is my experiences, Mm -hmm. you know, some, some tropicals are, are a little bit more flexible. Like for instance, like a sea hibiscus really doesn't care if it's inside for about a week. Mm-hmm. It can chill in your window and it might grow a little bit, but it's it's kind of like in that standby where it's like a ficus, like a um, like a ficus microcarpa mm-hmm. is just like, no, I hate this. And it, that's one of the ones that'll drop its leaves like within the first couple of days it's inside. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the resilience is, is really interesting to think about. And then also thinking about how photosynthesis ideally happens all the time right as long as there's leaves on it it never stops well the tree's gonna keep doing what oh but it does oh I don't well know. I, I, mean, I don't know 100 <laughs> percent. so so when this, this photo inhibition happens that is photosynthesis slowing down or stopping for a certain yeah. amount of time um and the reason that that 
can be super damaging over time is because the photosynthesis is the part of the plant that's or the, that's the process that's you know making the food and the other things that the plant needs to survive uh, and so that might stop but respiration which is actually the plant using up those stores um, and those sugars and those other nutrients that are created that doesn't yep. always stop um, and uh, so that's where a plant can get into a deficit and start to right. essentially you know in our in terms of you know how we would think of it they would be starving because there's less coming in but the same amount is going out so that can be you know the the key thing that's really um affecting those trees in the, right in that stress moment yeah because yeah. like what what was the what was the the terminology for it eating the resources respiration Respiration. We'll talk about that so, in another episode. Okay. That's yep. essentially breaking touching... down those sugars and those lipids and those other things in order for the plant to grow and use that energy to, you know, maintain all of its processes. Yeah. So photosynthesis can be put on a pause, obviously, because trees go dormant. Yep. Mm -hmm. But but there's that other process that you just mentioned that we'll like you said, we'll touch on a little bit later. That mm -hmm. never stops. Right. It it reduces significantly especially like metabolism during winters down. and things yeah. but it it um yeah especially you know during the growing season it's still going um mm -hmm. and those rates will change over time especially if photosynthesis decreases because then it just runs out of stuff to use so and will older uh like more because trees don't get geriatric they just get to a point where the tissues are older mm -hmm. than most parts of the tree and those it, parts can get though that like that metabolism of that could slow down as well correct right. yeah so yeah. so the so age of leaves or needles um can or, or does change the amount of photosynthesis that a tree can it's do. capable of doing. so okay with yeah. a deciduous tree the mature leaves usually I, so this is really interesting i was looking at this this morning before we started talking so you, you're, if you think about single flush trees, like your beeches or your red maples or your sugar maples, um, you know, they kind of put out one flush and they don't really respond to like a full defoliation or a full pruning. Sometimes they'll throw out a couple of shoots or a few more leaves, but it's not like a trident maple where you can take, you know, 75%, 80% of the leaves off and it'll totally re-sprout. So with these mm -hmm. single flush uh, deciduous plants the mature leaves uh, have a lot of like have the a maximum rate of photosynthesis that lasts for most of the season before it starts to kind of taper off in the fall before the leaves fall off now the um, the multiple flush plants like a trident maple they're oh. like the the length of time their mature leaves are undergoing photosynthesis you know at their maximum is shorter because they're kind of constantly throwing out leaves and new shoots throughout the year um and so that's one of the reasons that defoliating those can really boost our growth because those leaves aren't going to be as productive in july as they were for that for the month of june or whatever just because those leaves are aging so when we go ahead and actually take those off it helps stimulate the plant to create more new leaves, which are more photosynthetically active than their older leaves. Does that make sense? Is it? But it's 
Right, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no. No, no, you're good. I was no, going to say something about uh, conifers, which is pretty interesting too. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, it seems like with conifers, usually the first year needles, so not this year's, not what's actively growing this summer, but the needles that are one year old are generally the most photosynthetic with the brand new needles coming in second. But I was reading about a couple of studies where they were looking at um, black spruce and 14 year old needles were still at like 48% photosynthetic capacity. So, oh, wow. and then silver spruce was like, I think, um, uh, seven year old needles. Oh, wait, no, 13 year old needles of black spruce had a 40% photosynthetic rate compared to, you know, their usual rate. And then in Pacific silver fir, seven year old needles were still producing at 48% of their maximum. So, even though those needles are old and they have, you know, lower rates, they're still producing something. And so that's, you know, when we talk about removing old needles on our single flush pines or double flush pines, and we decide to leave more needles on to, you know, maintain that shoot strength or to make a weak plant stronger, those needles really still are producing a fair amount um, of, they're still doing a lot of photosynthesis. They're not you know, like a deciduous leaf that's really old and ready to fall off, they're yeah, still yeah. producing maybe more than we think. So that's why it can be super useful to leave some needles on on a, a weak conifer. Yeah. Yeah, well, I that's just, I never thought of it. That's another one of those ones where I made another connection. It's like, I never thought of it that way. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, deciduous trees, they just have that point where it's, that, that leaf is done. Mm-hmm. It has to be replaced, mm-hmm. and then with uh, with conifers, their percentages of of like how how useful that is going to be for photosynthetic material, it sticks around longer. That's why they you could have a needle that, like you said, it'll be several years old mm-hmm. on the same tree for for what seems in like for some people seven to you know thirteen years. That's a long time. Yeah, and the, I mean, those are plants that are, you know, in the ground or in the wild, whereas in a yeah. pot, you know, we're not going to have 13-year-old needles usually, but maybe we do sometimes. <laughs> you yeah. might have the, three or four or five-year-old needles. It's hard to tell, you know. Yeah, it can be. How funny. often do you do needle thinning enough that you'll see that, you know? Mm-hmm. So with then junipers, species, I know, like, it's different. So like you... Japanese white pine, they'll pretty much drop, I don't know, second or third-year needles really regularly usually you don't have more than one or two years worth of needles left on that tree um they're pretty good about shedding um whereas other other trees will just hold on to their needles until they absolutely don't need them anymore yeah interesting species variations yeah no that's really cool Mm um yeah it looks like you have a good bit uh more that you would get into but uh we've been going for quite some time too so uh, we could break this into another part if you'd like to, Carmen. Sure. That would be fine with me. Um, yeah, I've I've mostly just got some more environmental factors that, you know, limit photosynthesis or change rates of photosynthesis. So I think that we could do, yeah, we could do part two and talk a little bit more about that stuff. Yeah. So I think that, that that'll be good for photosynthesis for the time being. I mean, there's a lot more. And it, it, it'll, then when we do some more science... science. 
uh, episodes, I guess as we lead into it, it'll be kind of like, we'll pick up where we left off and it might help us lead into another one because I did have a lot more questions about the use of that energy too, as well. And yeah. so I think that's you know. actually a great opportunity too, for those folks in our discord to, if you have questions about photosynthesis, throw them at us and we'll try to answer them in the next part. Or, or can, if you're on Instagram, you know, send us a message or leave a comment and we'll try to clear things up or expand on things um in photosynthesis part two yeah yeah and we can keep building it we'll literally build it out like a uh, building block mm -hmm. of of information and if you complete our course <laughs> there will be i'm just like we all as well just do it there will be That'd be hilarious a, yeah there will be a certificate certificate for little things for a bonsite people <laughs> for your master gardener class your master bonsai garden now i mean you'll you'll know a good bit after listening to these episodes, pr trust me. Uh, I mean, I'm literally learning things here. And this, I wanted to do this too, because I mean, I I need to know these things more because I, my business at the nursery has evolved more into growing as well. Okay. And, and growing and, and I know you, everyone says like, oh, well you do bonsai, you grow all the time. Yeah, uh, no, like it's that my role in the bonsai world has become more of like the the grower because there's people who who produce material that's where I'm kind of at and there's mm -hmm. people who travel and teach and work with the with that material and so I have the I have the I have the pleasure of being able to also use the materials that I grow and teach classes as well but there are people who primarily grow mm. uh so I do need to start getting these things down because uh I'll just kind of Shame, I will shamefully say that yes, I did go through um, high school, but my college biology was is nowhere near what what Carmen has experienced. Um, <laughs> so it's just it is what it is, you know. Uh -huh. And and as you deeper dive into bonsai, and that's what our show, that's what this this show has always been about. Is it's a it's a it's a touch on the surface, but we will find deeper dive things to go into when we find it appropriate. And this this is just something that I feel like a lot more people can get can get a lot out of this yeah um so it it's a great it's a great thing to think about because we we go about looking at our trees and we're just like how is this how's this working you know like uh -huh. if it, it's not like a dog or uh or a fish in a fish tank you know it you know it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a totally different system i mean it you know still wrapping up on the on this this episode for science uh this week it's like our plants Sim more similar to us than we think oh yeah <laughs> yeah so that's that's the kind of thing we should do a whole science episode on that it's like plants are people too plants could could be people if it weren't for these few factors mm -hmm. that would be interesting you know so we'll uh we'll definitely de deeper dive if you guys enjoy this type of content please Help let us, us know, know on instagram on our discord or you can email um things to me at evan at underhillboneside.com or uh carmen where you have a new email that you would like to start using i do you can send me questions at becoming bonsai at gmail.com yep uh becoming bonsai will be your pretty much your thing it'll i mean you already thing. put yourself that on instagram yeah that'll be the way to refer kind of like with uh with mike and kitsune bonsai mm -hmm. so look forward to that working um, on a website yep 
So uh, let's talk a little bit about um, instead of doing like bonsai word of the week this this week, uh, let's talk a little bit about our experiences with this weather that we've been having. I know it's something that we can't escape uh, um, right. is talking about the weather. So I always think back about whenever um, I had Jonas on a while back and we talked about the weather and he's like, that's all we really talked about. And I was like, well, it's it so is something important. that bonsai people worry about all the time. We can't escape so, it. So uh, bonsai, bonsai weather check-in. So uh, we just just to give you guys some examples of uh, of where we're at uh, here in Louisiana. Our our temperatures got down to the teens earlier this week. It was kind of scary. A lot of people were were worried, uh, but I know some people were covering their trees. Some people were keep putting their trees into garages. Some people were putting their trees into greenhouses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but I mean, we we. We're doing just fine here, honestly, with this. Uh, if anyone's in Louisiana and they were just like, oh, well, that obviously didn't work. And you were kind of wondering what a general guideline was that uh, is for that is that I took all of my deciduous trees and all of my evergreens that I know are not tender in any way. And I put them on the ground during that absolute coldest night where there was just ice over. Everything was frozen. I put my trees snug on the ground in contact with the dirt. So that their their root systems could make a little bit of a, uh, I guess you could say, we've been talking so much sciencey kind of stuff. I'm kind of <laughs> my word the um, radiation from the ground. There it is. Oh, yeah. The radiation from the ground will help the root system stay warmer because in Louisiana it is very rare for the ground to actually freeze, like a ground frozen temperature here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's just enough there to keep those roots nice and nice and toasty. And then the exterior of the root ball will become kind of like an igloo in a weird way. Because some people are like, oh man, my top of my soil is just like frozen solid. It's like a block of ice. But if you got it right, if you got that tree on the ground um, and you've got the insulation from the frozen layer will actually further insulate the interior of that root ball. And so that's how we were dealing with it here. And of course, everything else that will suffer from wind chill, that's another big factor. I was talking about this earlier with my mom. She mm-hmm. had questions about that. Wind chill um, is a huge playing factor on that too. So even if I, like for instance, if I Yopan Holly, that's I grow a lot of those, I, I put them on the ground, but then I'll put them in a microclimate area where the wind would, will not hit them from certain angles. And mm-hmm. the wind chill factor is decreased uh, significantly. So that's another thing to help. So setting up a cold structure that blocks wind chill winds mm-hmm. also helps a lot. What was your daytime so, temperature through this? Did you uh, get above freezing? One day we hit 35 as the high. Okay. And the other days you were below 32? No, the, or- the other days were, were like 40 to 50. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. why it, when we were talking earlier, I was like, yeah, it not really that big of a deal for cold but it was mm-hmm. it was touching that that point where you know but yeah for for uh portland it was i know it was frozen for you guys i remember talking to you and you're like oh yeah it's still frozen outside. no it's still frozen uh portland had a whole we had a whole moment here um it, <laughs> uh yeah. it was a thing um schools have been closed for like a whole week uh and it, temperatures you know we were supposed to get snow and i'm a little bit disappointed we only got like an inch maybe not even two um mostly we had ice so we fell down into the low 20s and the teens i think our lowest was 15 um but and then during the day we there was 
I don't know, probably almost a week where we didn't get above 32. So it was really chilly. So everything was on the ground. Um, and then everything, anything that was uh, particularly valuable or like a non-native or semi-tender went into a greenhouse or the studio because um, I Amen. ran out of some greenhouse space. Um, so again, with keeping things on the ground, that helps insulate root balls. You know, the ground doesn't really freeze uh, solid here. And so even after we had some snow and ice, you know, you lifted up a pot and it was still kind of melty underneath, which was, you know, good. Um, and, you know, the the soil in the pots is going to freeze slower because, you know, it takes a while for the air to penetrate into the soil and then into the roots and, you know, slowly freeze over time. And then, um, so a lot of stuff was fine just being on the ground. Uh, we tried to heat the greenhouses to 32 and above. Um, and that was probably the longest stint I've had to keep heaters constantly on, you know, it was a few days at a time. So we had a little bit of snow and freezing rain and then it was supposed to all melt, but instead it just like hung around 32, 34. And we got like a, a layer of ice, like some of the videos coming out of Portland of people trying to drive were just insane. Hilarious. It was so slippery yeah. for so many days. And, uh, and we're finally melted. We're going to be in the 40s and 50s the next week. So I've got to uh, open up the greenhouses and, you know, move stuff yeah. back out, which is which is good. Yeah. I'm glad that we're back above freezing. But that was a it's... that was a, a long time of cold. It's kind of interesting too because the the time that you guys are not experiencing that, I'm actually moving my trees back to the benches today mm-hmm. because the temperatures are good. The nighttime temperature tonight's going to be sixty. Ugh. It's crazy here, and then it's going to be eighty degrees, baby, this Ugh. week. Wow, it's crazy here, but it's going to dip back down to thirty four by the end of the week again. Oof. So that's that's Louisiana for you, though. Yep. That, that's the the southeast United States. This is how it operates down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just kind of have to do a little bit of what we call the bone size shuffle, but mm-hmm. we'll we'll keep we'll keep executing it that that those uh, little those little movements to make sure every tree is happy, of course, yeah. until we get back into the springtime. Yeah, but um, I, I think something important for people to remember is that you know trees are super adaptable, and a lot of times they were meant for these climates. So especially things that are native within your range, I mean, obviously take precautions to protect them, but. There's so, always so much worry surrounding, oh my God, they're going to die. And uh, most of the time, they're not going to. They're most of the time, fine. they'll be fine. But I mean, always take more precautions than you think you need to, especially if you're worried. But also remember that, you know, trees go through a lot crazier stuff than just a shift in temperature. So not trying to downplay it, but at the same time, you know, just keep that in the back of your mind that you know, it's probably going to be fine. So, yeah, that that if that uh, I think that would help a lot of people out this week. That'll be our we'll kind of do a little bit more stuff with uh, bonsai word of the week. We'll revisit that again. Uh, we've been using a lot of terminology in this in this episode as it is with the photosynthesis coverage. But oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think doing a little bit of a uh, weather checkup, uh, just kind of letting you guys know how you know how Carmen is experiencing it in uh in the professional garden that she works in versus how i'm experiencing here with the nursery too is a good way to kind of look at it we'll kind of touch on that 
later on and a, a few more episodes coming up um as things warm back up again and then uh it's kind of funny because i think about it it's like a lot of our listeners and followers on patreon too they're like there's people in australia and like a lot of this just isn't relevant yeah so <laughs> <laughs> at least not this um, time of year but they can revisit it you know when they hit winter eventually eventually yeah eventually uh, so so anyway uh oh, yeah real gonna... quick i just want to jump in that oh i might have said this in another episode but my australian niece and nephew were visiting over the holidays and they got to see snow for the first time and it was the cutest thing they were oh, so awesome. into it that's very, so awesome very cute my nephew who's four was like so surprised how cold it was he wanted to go outside in his bare feet and step in it and that was oh, really yeah. fun and you're like oh yeah <laughs> like, that, that... it's so cold it was great yeah it's some you know some some people don't get to see that i didn't get to see okay. snow for the first time legitimately i was like i was a child and i lived in new mexico and i remember snow but i didn't get to see actual snow when i became an adult in louisiana it snowed here Back when I was in high school. Oh, wow. And that was the first time it had snowed in years. Mm-hmm. And it snowed one more time really good like that, like probably five years ago. I can't remember exactly. But yeah, it, it's very rare here that mm-hmm. it snows and it sticks. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, so we're getting towards the inner show here. We're just going to go ahead and do some wrap-up stuff. I do want to make a few notes, uh, say a few things. Um, so we're not sponsored by this show. Uh, but I do want to mention um, the show in the Pacific. Uh, not well. It's going to be the the west west coast. So west coast. Uh, the Pacific Bonsai Expo. Uh-huh. It's coming up. So we always want to make sure that people know of these big shows coming around, and especially in the United States. So if you ever want to attend a show, you guys know well about well enough about Bonsai Central. You guys know well enough about the national show that one's going to be next year but the pacific bonsai expo is going to be this year in october 26th to the 27th so if you're in that area uh, i know there hasn't been any big announcements just yet for the show other than that fact that it's happening and then they'll start taking submissions for trees i'm sure that will happen uh if it's not already going on now but you can go over to uh, i'm pretty sure it has a website by the, at this point right uh i don't know i haven't actually been there let me look it up because i want to see what it, the yeah uh, check that over real quick I want see to see when, other when I have to submit a tree by. Yeah. So you can expect to see Carmen at this one. So uh, you can see me at uh, Bonsai Central and you can see Carmen at Bonsai, Pacific Bonsai Expo in um, in October. And then... Um, oh, yeah, uh, just... submission period for PBE is February 1st to April 30th. So okay. park your tree. By the time this... Send in yeah. a photo. Um, I think it's submissions at PacificBonsaiExpo.org. Um be super cool yep and we'll probably i'll see if i can talk to eric and maybe we can do something with him uh, a little bit later on we talk about the show a little bit that'd be cool um so yeah so you guys go check that out that's another great show uh you know i would say it's one of the one of our bigger ones so but yeah uh moving on from that i want to just go ahead and say i know this will be some time after uh if you guys have noticed that mike has not been uh present for the past several episodes and it's because uh congratulations mike uh, his baby was born uh last week from when this was recorded so that was do you remember the day that that was Gosh, hold on i want to find it it's on don't instagram remember. <laughs> that's okay and this will be this episode it was recorded up ahead of time so i know it we're it's going to seem like we're late but uh this happened just last week uh for the time that this was um so mike hold on i'm, I'm looking i'm looking yeah 
I think it was one of his last things he said. Oh, yeah, it is the last thing uh, as, as the current. That was going to be five days ago from now. That was January 15th at 8 16 yep. p.m. Yep. And so I'd like to welcome our newest bonsai, our newest bonsai baby. Bonsai um, baby. And her name is Amelia. Amelia. How Hello, cute. bonsai baby Amelia. Congratulations, Mike and Lisa. Yay. Welcome to the bonsai world, Amelia. You're you're gonna be precious baby angel bonsai uh, person eventually. <laughs> I know you will. Uh, that's, that's what like at least that's what crazy Mike says. bonsai nursery name. Precious baby yeah. angel bonsai. <laughs> precious angel angel baby bonsai. Please, I want you to become a bonsai person. No, we're just joking. Yeah, but that that's been Mike's joke. So I'll let him make that joke a little bit later on. But uh, yeah, before we go into the the wrap ups and the uh, after we're done with these little announcements, I did have I did have a good joke. Oh yeah, like tell me joke. a joke. Um, so which side of the chicken has the most feathers? Which side? Like, no, uh, no little guess there. Just uh, which side? The outside. <sighs> yeah, that that was it. That was it. <laughs> Sorry, that's so, why so people, I asked you which side. Yeah, it was like a little bit more of like, like brain power put into that. And you were like, oh wait, that it's it's a trick. It is. <laughs> it was a trick. Some people would be like, what? I don't know. Like the left side, the underside. No, the outside. Like the outside of the chicken. My okay. son has a, got a riddle book for Christmas, and he's been doing that kind of stuff to me all week. So. Oh, so you're sharp. I, you're, you're, I'm you're on, on it. it I'm on. I'm on the riddles. Damn. Are I thought I, I thought I was gonna get it. It's all right. Do you have a joke for this week? Uh... <laughs> That's okay. Yes, I do. <laughs> all right. Is it ridiculous? Yeah, it's, okay it's really it fabulous. Are you ready? What is it? Yeah, go ahead. Why did the golfer wear two pairs of pants? <laughs> Your delivery on that question is so, <laughs> so goofy. Uh, I don't know. Why did he wear two pairs of pants? In case he got a hole in one. Awesome. <laughs> so glad that these are going to give people even more more flavor and more more things that they really needed to put into their bonsai knowledge pool. Mm -hmm. I'm, so, I'm so glad we could share these things um, with you guys. It's, uh, it's always... All the little things that we share um, that, that, you know, mix it up. So anyway, mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, just, just, you know, thank you guys for listening. Thank you uh, for our new subscribers on Patreon. Like we were saying before, go over to patreon.com forward slash little things for bonsai people become a bonsai bud, like a bonsai friend or a bonsai best bud or a bonsai specimen bud and get all the benefits of each tier. You can go over to underhillboneside.com. I've actually been writing articles, believe it or not. So there's Yay. a few more things to look at on there. I'll be updating my gallery soon, hopefully. If I can get together some of my trees that will hopefully be done by the time this is released. So I'll get some more stuff that I've worked on personally and some of my personal collection trees that I'm happy with now. Um, and then since Mike's not here, I uh, always like to say for him, go over to ketsunebonesai.com. He lives in He's bonsai professional operating out of Florida, and he has uh, seasonal offerings and classes that he gives online as well. So he's got all kinds of cool stuff. You can go over there and pick up a T-shirt from his website for his Ketsune uh, brand, or you can just say hey to him and you know sign up for one of his Zoom calls uh, and, and do a class with Mike. I know with his baby and stuff, he's going to be probably running some more uh, Zoom call stuff. So we'll keep in touch with him, make sure that we can uh, 
keep on getting more information from Mike as time goes on. And then for you, Carmen, where can they check out your stuff? You can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Becoming Bonsai. Um, you can email me at becomingbonsai.com. Nope, at, <laughs> yep. at uh, becomingbonsai at gmail.com. Um, hey. And check out the Purple Pot Society, which is the National Women's Bonsai Group. Uh, $35 yearly membership. And we have some online events coming up this year that we're currently working on solidifying. So um, I will update as we get those uh, totally sorted out. Yep. And then, like I said, uh, I'm hoping to have some really good uh, new designs. Really good. Really uh, New good. designs. Really good. Um, and you can currently, at this time, you can go over to Underhill Boneside Store, which will be a offshoot page from the underhillboneside.com. Um, but there will there is under... The little things tab, you can find our current run of shirts where, where we had the black and the white shirts. We're going to be having the new t-shirt designs will be spoiled uh, coming up here uh, hopefully really soon once we finalize the design. So yeah, uh, keep an eye out for that. If you want to buy, we have a few more copies of the white shirt. I know we have medium, we have small, medium, larges of the white shirt with the, uh, the Tiffany Nesbitt design on the back of the tree under construction. Well, and we are going to have some, uh, which I just got this in process yesterday, about somebody who does tie-dye. Ooh. Um, and does re he's really good at tie-dye. His name's Zach. Uh, he has a small, medium, and large of the white shirt. And he's going to do a special one-of-a-kind tie-dye on each one of those sizes. And they will be available for purchase coming up here. Nice. So we're going to have a little special sale on that. Those are going to be really unique. One-of-a-kind. He's doing designs for each shirt. Uh, so you guys make sure you hang out and catch those uh really cool shirts coming up uh those i think we might want to do more of that in the future where i'll do uh white shirts i've always loved tie-dye shirts i don't know if anybody else likes them but i do i, I so. love a tie-dye shirt yeah a good tie-dye shirt like mm -hmm. some you know you've seen those guys at the, the at the markets where they do like their own expressive cool designs and stuff i love that stuff oh yeah so super good. yep so keep an eye out for that but uh thanks for hanging out carmen and uh yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And you guys, you guys, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye bye.